Hello, ghouls. Welcome to Brave the Basement. I'm your host, the Ghoul the Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. If you enjoy getting a little scared, ghost stories, haunted houses, a believer in the supernatural, or maybe even a skeptic wanted to look at things from a different perspective, then this is the show for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ed's Barbershop. Ed's Barbershop is located at 210 Lane Street, North Justin, Indiana. So if you enjoy getting your hair cut from a hometown barber with that old-fashioned feel, then dial 574-896-3344 and schedule your appointment today. Hey, Blackjack, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Excited about this episode. And today we're doing another witch episode, which is... The Witch of Del Rey. The Witch of Del Rey. So uh, I say let's just get started. Well, actually, first, Blackjack, I have an announcement to make. Ooh, ah. So if you head on over to bravethebasement.weebly.com, you could see this in our news page. Uh, it says, Contest Announcement. Hear ye, hear ye, Brave the Basement Ghouls. Last season, we did a one-off episode about Bell Gunnis. This season, we will be covering another serial, serial killer. Hidden somewhere in the website is a clue about who that serial killer is. If you are the first listener to email us who the killer is, and the details about where and what the clue was, you will get to pick the topic for a season two, episode twenty, season closer. Ooh, ah. So let me give you a small hint. It's somewhere on the website. Well, I, I think we go and get that one. Yeah, and then it's hidden in there. It's not. It's not super hard to find, but you will have to read. It is on one of the pages, and that is the best thing I can tell you is read. I have a question here, Cool. Are we going to, every episode, so every week, are we going to give them a slight tiny hint? If, if. No, the, the hint. Is only one episode? The hint. Is that only in this episode? No, well, the hint's on the website. Oh, oh okay. The hint is on the website. And the hint is, like I said, it's just a clue. So, switching gears to the Witch of Del Rey. So, we're going back to the 30s again, Blackjack. Another witch in the 30s. All right. Uh, Rose Verez, uh, she was born December 26th in 1877. And she died August 14th, 1960. Uh, she was around the age of 82. To say that Rose Verez was not revered in the small Hungarian enclave of Del Rey on Detroit's south side in the 1930s would be an understatement. The fact that she was considered a witch by her neighbors on Medina Street was less a testament to her affability than her disregard for human souls. Not that she wasn't eager to help her fellow man, taking many of the area downtrodden into her house's borders, but that her motives were spun from self-serving greed canceled out any exhibited perception of goodwill. So when she was arrested for the murder of Steve Mack, a tenant in her quote-unquote house of funerals, who was reported to have accidentally fallen while doing home repairs, witnesses came forward in droves to accuse her of much worse than simple manslaughter. Detroit of the 1930s was a cauldron of mass immigration, industrial bloom and wilt, and riches drag stories. With the depression and its early churning and unemployment skyrocketing, the working man was sent into a spiral of hopeless searching for unattainable answers. As was the norm in many immigrant neighborhoods, boarding tenants in extra rooms 
was one of the ways to sustain financial stability on the home front as jobless men and lower wage earners flocked to Ramshackle's rooms in unkept boarding houses. Mrs. Ferez's home was one such DOS house in the grimy industrial part of the city. Rose Ferez had first come to the Detroit Police Department's attention in 1925 when two boarders died of acute alcohol poisoning. She was questioned, arrested for suspicion of murder, and then released without charges being filed due to insufficient evidence. Two years later, her husband, Gaber Verez, and a tenant named John Toth died from carbon monoxide poisoning. The neighbors were terrified of the so-called witch and refused to testify against her. We are afraid to catch her eye. She could make our children sick and her husbands lose their jobs. She knows all kinds of magic so that when it came time to give depositions, the Hungarians would cringe and proclaim they couldn't speak English very well. On August 25, 1931, Steve Mack, 68 years old, fell off a ladder while working near the third floor attic window. A witness named George claimed that Mack was pushed by a pair of arms and then moments later Verez peered from the window. The incident had followed loud quarreling from the attic area. Further the claim was the testimony of a man named John Walker who claimed to have also seen the fall. He told police that Verez had admitted to killing Mack but under completely different circumstances than what were first suspected. Walker said that Verez, her son William, and another tenant had beaten and poisoned Mac, and when he failed to succumb to death, they tossed him from the attic window, where a ladder had been stationed outside to dress up the appearance of an accidental fall. Given credence to Walker's claims were medical examiner's finds of skull fractures, which pointed to a multiple injuries consi not consistent with trauma from a simple fall as well as the discovery of a blood-stained gas pipe found in the cellar of the home. Walker added that Verez had promised him $500 if he kept quiet about the incident. Other families living in the neighborhood also gave depositions, as did a little girl named Marie. She lived directly across the street from the Verez home. On the morning of the incident, she sat making mud pies in her front yard. She had heard stories about the witch prowling the alleys in the middle of the night in long flowing garments in a cape in search of quote-unquote victims. So when Verez appeared at the front door and descended down the steps, she commanded the 11-year-old's full attention. Marie recalled that Verez had stopped to give instructions to John Walker, a tenant at her house of whores, as well as a handyman, who was watering the lawn to cease his operations. He did so retiring to the basement to switch off the spigot. It was then that Verez placed a ladder against the window where Mac would begin his fall towards death. Soon he ambled from the house carrying a small box of nails and a hammer. He shakily ascended the ladder and when reaching the window, opened it and sat on the sill for a moment. A minute or so later, George appeared at the house calling on another boarder named Mike Ladd. With no reply seemingly forthcoming, he leaned against a tree and began rolling a smoke. John Walker was also returning to the scene nearly simultaneously. As he approached the area where Mac was sitting, suddenly the box of nails, followed shortly thereafter by the hammer, thudded to the ground. 
Walker drew his hands upward to cover himself, stepped back and then glanced towards the window and witnessed Mac hurling to the ground, where he lay mortally wounded but still alive. Walker immediately scampered to the back of the house to gather Verez. The piercing scream of the little girl aroused the neighbors and a crowd began to assemble. The clanging sound of the approaching ambulance going stirred in the din of voices. Mac was whisked off to receiving hospital and Verez gave her report to the unsuspecting officers who had no reason to suspect foul play at the time since the legends of Medina Street were largely a self-confined phenomenon. Eventually, though, the talk turned to foul play as the witnesses came forward in masses and Verez was arrested. Tight-lipped, the shrunken woman was nearly mute during her long interrogation, claiming that she didn't speak English. Although, when confronted with a witness against her, she was reported to have said, you keep your mouth shut. As the evidence mounted against her, the widow maintained that the death of Mac was an accident. The investigators even believed that the witchy woman, known to cast the evil eye and dispersions at neighbors, was trying to affect a hypnotic influence over them as she started stared steadily at her interrogators while pointing her finger in a strange manner. Two of her sons, William, 18, and Gaber were also interrogated along with two former boarders, uh, Steve Geese and Sam Denham, while William ultimately being charged alongside his mother. Finally, on August 31st, nearly a week after the accident and countless hours of grilling, Verez broke down and admitted to pushing Mac from the window, claiming that she was hard up for money. As police would uncover an investigation of Steve Mac's death, she had a slew of husbands and just as many insurance policies with herself as beneficiary. The early estimates were in excess of 50 policies approaching $70,000 total, with most naming her as the beneficiary. The investigation turned up a total of 12 suspicions death, including Mac. Added to the list after the extradition and interrogation of former tenant Sam Dinian from West Virginia was the name of John Cocardi, who was named in letters by Dinian to have died under mysterious circumstances shortly after he moved from the Verez home. After a short trial the following October, Verez and her son were found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. Rose at the Detroit House of Corrections and William at Jackson State Prison. In December of 1945, after many denied requests for a retrial, Rose Verez was retired and exonerated of the murder. She fainted upon hearing the verdict. And I'm going to let, uh, read off a couple names and how they died. Uh, John Toth, carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, Steve Fiash, alcoholism. John Kalaki, intestinal ailment. Gaber Verez, which would have been her husband, carbon monoxide poisoning. John Norvay, undetermined. Louis Kulax, undetermined. Alex Porkzios, undetermined. John Scrivan, supposed hanging. Steve Sebastian, supposed alcoholism. Uh, and one thing I kind of want to point out again, um, the, and I'm trying to find it again so I can see the exact wording of it. 
Ah, here it is. The investigators even believed the witchy woman known to cast the evil eye and dispersions at neighbors was trying to affect a hypnotic influence over them as she stared steadily at her interrogators while pointing her finger in a strange manner. So even the interrogators believed that this woman was trying to use some form of witchcraft or hypnosis over people. What do you think, Blackjack? You think that this is a just a, a bad woman, or do you think that there was some witchcraft involved? What do you, what do you think is going on? I think, in a murderous sense, she's an absolute genius. She used this quote-unquote witch as a disguise for all these murders and what whatnot. So you think she tried using her quote-unquote witchiness to, to, to keep everyone in the neighborhood quiet against her? Yes. So do you think that this is a coincidence that this was also the 1930s? Yeah. So you're, you're thinking coincidence. on, on Coinc the... Coincidence, yeah. Okay. So my personal take on this. Uh, it, it's very interesting because... It said that when she first, when she talked to the police after the man's death, that the police had no idea of this witchcraft thing, and it was only known in the area. So only people who lived in that exact neighborhood, only the community, yeah, only yeah. that immediate community, believed her as a witch. Now, if anybody, because it said that they just came out in masses eventually against her, um, and I don't know if that's because. Um, you know, there was a group of people who didn't believe it or they were just so scared of her that they thought that if we all go to the police and tell the investigators what happened, what can she do to all of us? I don't know if anyone mentioned that to the police officers that, hey, this woman is a witch, but she had interrogators believing that she was trying to use some kind of witchcraft. And that's where she becomes a genius using her reputation to her advantage. So again, Blackjack, though, was this witchcraft or just a, a genius way to cover up her killing people and getting all this insurance money? I mean, I could be wrong. She can just be absolutely summoning Satan. So, But but I do believe what I said earlier. Uh, I, I think it was just a big cover-up. So you're thinking cover-up? I think a highly genius cover-up. Okay, so... If you listen very carefully to that story, you'll notice that one of the witnesses said that after uh, Mac had fell, that they looked up and seen her peering out of the window. Here's where it gets really scary. People have taken video of this house and have seen her present day staring out of that window. Well, now that's a whole different situation, Bob. I don't think you mentioned that part. No, I intentionally left that out of the story. Okay, that changes things. Uh, ah, we're, we're going with the second. She's summoning Satan. She's summoning Satan. Yeah. I do not know where she died at. Um, I know she died in 1945. I'm not sure if it was in that house. But even if it wasn't inside that house, um, her she had some sort of 
something holding her to that house if people present day are seeing her and if that was a uh, a witchcraft maybe uh that's somehow binding her to that home but it is on video i mean maybe she did like some uh Baltimore stuff and split her soul into like like a horcrux yeah maybe so maybe maybe the house is a horcrux wouldn't that be a horrible horcrux though oh yeah yeah, that'd be terrible. Someone comes to destroy it. Yeah, they just like decide one day, just like, hey, we're gonna this house build, sucks. We're gonna build a new house right here, Bob. And then they just tear down the house and and destroy. But isn't Horcruxes really hard to destroy? Yeah. But see, now we're going into the, the, the Harry, the, Harry we, Potter. Yeah, we're going into Harry Potter and not and not real paranormal things. So, but we are talking about a witch here. We are talking about a witch and. Who knows what their powers are? They could do a lot of things. We know, and uh, they could probably they could probably cook up something like that. Now I will tell you, um, and this isn't this doesn't have to do with the Witch of Del Rey. Um, in the early two thousands, I do not remember the year. In my local area, two girls were they stripped down naked. They were young girls. They stripped down naked. And they supposedly had all these witchcraft symbols all over their body. And they walked down railroad tracks waiting for a train and committed suicide on the train tracks. When the investigators got involved into why these two girls would have done this, uh, it was discovered that they were into Wicca, which which is a type of witchcraft. And that happened here locally in the early 2000s. I remember that. Um, so yeah, uh, it just, it's just very weird that, you know, even to, in the 1930s, it's hard to think about all this witchcraft and apparently, and even in the two thousands, there still is witchcraft going on. Yeah. There's people that practice witchcraft. So before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody again, head on a brave, head on over to brave, the basement com. See if you can find a clue. And if you find the clue and you figure out who this serial killer is, you send us the name of the serial killer at bravethebasement at gmail.com. Tell us where you got the clue from. Because I just don't want people guessing. I want to make sure that people are trying to find the clue. And if you're the first person to figure out who the serial killer is and where you got the clue at you will get to pick what our topic will be and we'll do any paranormal topic that you would like for our season two episode 20 season closer if you'd like to become a brave the basement ghoul be sure to share the show and social media go to brave basement.weebly.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and updates when each episode has been posted if you have a ghost story you would like to share with us, you could reach us at BraveTheBasement at gmail.com. Your story can make it on the show and be featured on the website. You can also submit your story on Reddit under the subreddit BraveTheBasement or in the YouTube comment section. If you have an eerie ghost photo you would like to share, please email us and include a description and your photo could be added to our photo gallery. And that brings us to the end. We hope that we brought you just a little fright. And remember when you're up late at night and you hear something in the other room that just doesn't seem right. It's okay if you need to turn on the light to protect yourself from things that go bump in the night. 
I'm your host, the Ghoul of the Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. And I hope you join us again. Till next time. <laughs>